Good morning. Welcome, everyone. You are going to be so excited to um, listen to my guest and watch, and once I get this up on YouTube, uh, watch the conversation that I'm going to be having today with Talia Reynolds. Um, she is the founder of an organization called Last Local Standing, and I want to read you her bio because I don't know about you, but I was really impressed. Um, she says that uh, Talia's passion for conflict and its ability to generate long-lasting solutions and engage people in creative ways led her to become a trained conflict resolution coach and expert. And I would say in no other time since the formation of the United States of America, do we need someone who's a specialist in conflict resolution? So what are you doing in Sedona? You need to, you need to be in Washington, DC, but anyway, she has over uh, 15 hours of hands-on conflict meditation or mediation rather, well, maybe meditation, but because me, she is in Sedona mediation and coaching Talia is a passionate problem solver, trained in negotiation and conflict resolution. Talia has received her education and training from the University of Denver, Masters of Conflict Resolution, the Institute of Civil Dialogue, Stitfield Handy, Justice of the Peace Courts, and her Bachelor's in Communication with her emphasis in civil dialogue. Boy, do we need civil dialogue. She was <laughs> born and raised in Sedona, Arizona. For those of you who have never been to Arizona or who have never been to Sedona, um, it, it's almost a, an out-of-body experience when you're there. And then to think that people were born and raised there is even more of like, wow, you were born and raised in a vortex? That must be amazing because I think that's what people associate but um, she moved home to support her parents during the COVID, only to be met with story after story of friends losing their homes to Airbnbs, the schools struggling to maintain teachers, and hospitals struggling to keep their staff due to a lack of homes. And I believe that I found Talia after I had been blessed to actually experience a weekend in Sedona. Um, not with family. So sometimes when you go to a vacation spot and you're with a, a lot of family, you you get distracted. And so by going there by myself, I was able to just take in everything that was there. And I just, oh, I loved it. So I came home and I started watching YouTube after YouTube after YouTube on Sedona, all the hikes that I had missed, all the things that I hadn't gotten a chance to do that now I have to go back and do. And I believe that's how <laughs> I found you somewhere along the line. You popped up on YouTube. Could that be right? Does that sound right? Um, I'm not on YouTube yet, though. I do work with a local influencer who does a lot of YouTube. So it's possible that he's brought me up, but I'm primarily on Instagram right now. Okay, that's great. Okay. So I, I find it interesting, though, that you said by moving home to, to support your parents, you visually saw what was happening to Sedona. And talk a little bit about that. Talk about the process, the step-by-step -step where you went from going home to be a good daughter and take care of your parents, living and being raised in Sedona, so you love this part of the world. And then tell me, what was the awakening that you had that led up to forming the, um, the your last local standing organization? Yeah, uh, I have to say, I have to give some context. You know, first, I went to Arizona State University, so I spent over four years in Phoenix 
to getting my bachelor's. And it's it, one thing that I always noticed when I came home was what a breath of very literally fresh air Sedona was. And you could immediately see the difference in air quality. And so coming home during the pandemic, I was hit with the immediate change to the air. Um, it was visible. It was actually visible that we had pollution hanging around the red rocks. Um, I had experiencing allergies for the first time. And I don't know if I can blame pollution if there's science behind that. Uh, but I started noticing my body having reactions when I would hike, it wasn't the same. And so it was very visible in the air quality. Uh, as soon as I drove in, I was like, whoa, what is happening here? We have smog. There's no forest fires. I Googled it. I was like, is there fires right. in the area? It was actual smog. Um, and I could tell because not only, you know, did I check to see if there's forest fires or something going on in the area where smoke was being blown in, but the lines of traffic, I have never seen traffic like that in my hometown where I live in what's called the village of Oak Creek. Um, it's, you know, there's only two ways to get into Sedona and there's traffic back all the way. I live on the very, very end, uh, right off 179 of the village. And traffic would be backed up all the way to my roundabout, going all the way to what's called Tulakapaki, and sometimes through what we commonly refer to as the Y, so where Uptown starts, really, and into West Sedona. And then I do my grocery shopping in Sedona, and so traffic all the way um, through the town. So the actual smog coming from all of the vehicles and gas emissions, plus we've had OHVs double. We used to only have two ATV rental companies. So OHVs for anyone who's not familiar is off-road vehicles, off-highway vehicles, um, went from two to nine. So not only do we have uh, traffic all the way backed up throughout both both sides of town. Um, I'm sorry, there's three ways to enter um, Sedona, but now we also have way more people going off-road uh, with ATVs. And so all of that just created some incredible air pollution. Wow. Okay. And is that doing destruction to the actual um, surface? I mean, the road. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Trees are being, yeah, it's causing deforestation at a rapid rate. You can see it. If you go to YouTube, uh, you can search Save Bear Mountain. There's a wonderful woman who started an organization starting with just Save Bear Mountain, which is where she lives. Uh, she uh, has a cattle ranch farm that goes back generations and um, has visibly seen the damage. Plants are dying. Sacred sites like mm. Palatki are quickly um, degrading because of the amount of dust and smoke. And uh, my best friend's dating a surgical nurse and there's cases skyrocketing of people getting injured too. So yeah. uh, it's palpable. Um, and what's tough about it is it's all National Forest Service. So we have to go through the National Forest Service and the city has been trying to work with the National Forest Service uh, service since 2013 wow. to get this under control uh, because it's it's out of our hands in a lot of ways. Um, I am regulating the amount of OH businesses that come into our town. Mm -hmm. um, there's not much we can do once our National Forest Service land, which we're surrounded by. Wow. So, so you've got the, you you you. So, the, isn't the purpose of the National Forest Service to preserve the land? Isn't that what, but now there, there's money 
involved. So there, there's a permit. Is it a permit thing where you can get a permit to ride off road? And so the there. So where is what is the advantage to the National Forest Service for allowing this to happen? So what they've stated in city meetings is it goes against their their purpose, their agenda, which is to get as many people out on the land, enjoying the national parks, enjoying the national forest as much as possible. So in their mind, by limiting the OHVs, um, they are doing a, a greater disservice to um sharing the land, which Uh, is interesting to me because there's so many other ways that people can enjoy uh, the national forest than being in a vehicle. Um, They They could go for a hike, right? um, Ease of access hike. Yeah. Yeah. And and for some of those who um, are not able-bodied to hike, I understand why ATVs would be beneficial, but there's also things like going through the pink Jeep tours or um, there's quite a few tour companies, right? So now you have pedestrians out on those roads and you have businesses who are doing services out on those roads. And so it's um, it's too much traffic in a place that's supposed to be uh, for creatures and animals and, and, and plants. Right, right. Well, and I noticed that when I was there, I because I've noticed that <laughs> spring break does not happen at the same time. Uh, every school right. district chooses a different time. So I swear spring break goes from February to July. I mean, it was just insane. Was, I, f- I thought, isn't this over? But I, so I was there the 1st of April and there was still spring break going on. And so it was very, very busy. And they had um, roadblocks to d- different hikes. So you had to take a shuttle to get to the hike and things like that. But I accepted that as, oh, this it's busy because of spring break. And I suppose when you were there during COVID, maybe that was a good place to fly into or to go to, drive to, that could get away from all of the mask restrictions and the physical six feet apart restrictions. So people were traveling then, but that's Mm -hmm. over now and it's the middle of May and you're still there. So what's the traffic like? So what what you would be visually seeing right now is every day normal every day. So what is normal? Is every day normal still the traffic? It's definitely died down uh, post spring break. Um, So April was just insanity. It's died down a bit. Um, I think as school and end of year comes to a close, families are probably staying a bit more localized Mm -hmm. right now. Um, But the traffic is still bad. Right. Uh, it still gets backed up um, to Airport Road if you're if you're driving through West Sedona, uh, headed north, or uh, if you're headed from where I'm from, it still gets backed up pretty far. If you're familiar with the Sedona area, up to Poco de Diablo, sometimes um, Church of the Red Rocks, um, and that's that's pretty far up. It's only from where I live, six point seven miles, and so we're talking about probably three and a half four miles of traffic backed up, wow. uh, even still post, post, um, spring break. <laughs> right. Well, and the scary part of that as well is if the city got together and said, look, we have a traffic issue. Um, but this wonderful traffic is bringing money into our, our little community. So what can we do to help the traffic problem? Well, the first thing you think is, well, we'll expand the roads, right? We'll go from two lane to four lane. And so that's a scary thought because Mm -hmm. I know going through, oh my gosh, that beautiful scenic 
area, like you said, going towards, I'm, I'm not, I'm directionally challenged, but when you're going out of, um, when you're going through that beautiful visual with all of, I'm trying to think of what the name of that. I think it was Oak Creek. If you're going towards Oak Creek from wherever I was going there towards, let's say the main downtown where all the little, the little shops and things like that are. So then if you're going towards Oak Creek, would that be correct? Am I going the right, uh, would you be leaving town that direction? Yeah, so there's three ways to get in. So you can come from 179 through the village of Oak Creek, which is where I live. You can come uh, from the 17 um, to through Cottonwood to 89A, and then you can come from 89A from Flagstaff. So I believe what okay. you're talking about, which is the Oak Creek Canyon, mm-hmm. um, is 89A up to Flagstaff or Flagstaff down um, to Uptown Sedona. And yeah. so, yeah, traffic in that direction too. <laughs> traffic. Yeah all the ways, right, you know, right. um, they haven't talked about expanding the roads yet. What they have talked about is creating more roads, however, um, oh. through some, to allow more local access. Oh. Um, but the most troubling thing is where they're looking at putting a parking hub for tourists coming in to take shuttles to their location. And it's literally in the most congested oh. area yeah. next to the Y um, which is where the first roundabout where all roads meet, right? So if you're coming in from Flag, you're going through the Y. If you're going coming from Cottonwood into Uptown, you're going through the Y. And if you're coming from the village, you need to go through the Y to get to whether Uptown or West Sedona. And so that's where they're looking at actually putting the parking, uh, which is very troubling from a planning standpoint of, how much more congestion that's actually going to cause. Right, right. Oh my gosh. So you, so take us back onto our timeline then. If you're with your parents and you're, you're seeing, holy crud, why am I on this road for three and a half hours? This is insane. Um, But then you get, you get home and then I know a lot of your, um, your, your last local standing is not only air quality or traffic and things like that, but it's also the cost of living in Sedona. Mm-hmm. So talk about that. Have in your parents, are they still in a home that they've been in for 25, 30 years or something like that? Or what's their situation? Yeah. So we're really fortunate. They bought their home. I want to say I was around eight years old. I'm going on 31 now. So they've owned their home for over 22 years now. Um, it's now worth close to a million dollars. They bought it for 200,000 around. Which was probably and like crazy 22 years ago. But yeah, it jumped 67% in one year is what I believe the statistic is. And and if anyone uh, has better data, please let us know. Right. Um, but my I have a few friends in the real estate industry, and they yeah, 67%. Um, and so let's see. Um, so my parents are really fortunate in that they own their home. And, um, and they're really well positioned if they choose to sell obviously. Um, but part of the rise in housing costs was not limited, not just limited, um, homes, right. Uh, not limited inventory, but what was happening is in 2016, some legislation was passed, um, specifically Senate bill 1487 that got through for, from governor Ducey and it told states or told cities and towns within the state of Arizona that you cannot regulate short-term rentals. Mm. Um, you cannot cause undue burden 
on short-term rentals. So if you're thinking about permitting or um, trying to regulate the amount of short-term rentals at all, you can't do it. Actually, the city tried to enforce uh, zoning ordinances to ensure that neighborhoods stayed in neighborhoods right. and the attorney general hit them with a cease and desist and the actions that follow right would be a lawsuit and our city members could actually go to jail for violating this bill and so what happened was it turned into a short-term rental explosion so how the home value from my understanding increased based on my friends in the real estate industry and some readings that I've done is um, people started using renting out their home as short-term rentals, which increased the value because they're not just selling the home. Now they're actually selling a business. And mm. so this is what started to cause the problems, not just the skyrocketing cost of living, um, but the limited availability of homes available. So now we have more and more homes going to short-term rentals. Why? Because it's much more equitable. Right. Um, and if you're familiar with the laws here around long-term rentals, it's much harder to rent your home for a year or more than it is to do a short-term rental. There's almost no regulation on short-term rental, but a lot of regulation on long-term rentals. And so to step into an empathetic standpoint, I can understand why a homeowner uh, would choose to do a short-term rental, especially if it's going to increase the value of their home and they're now selling a business. Right. I was talking to a woman over Instagram who left the area. Her husband was an executive chef. And there's a whole story actually around that in itself for local businesses struggling to find talent. Uh specifically a restaurant owner who asked me, do you know anyone who is a chef who works in the kitchen who can manage my restaurant? I can't find anybody. And this woman and her husband left. They were in the process of buying a house in Uptown for four, around $400,000. And um, over that time of negotiation, that homeowner started to use it as a short-term rental and sold it for almost a million dollars a month later. So they could no longer afford to purchase that home and actually had to leave the area. And that's just that that is a way too common story. Mm -hmm. I have friends who are have been renting the same home for a few years who are now um, getting evicted because the homeowner is going to short use it as a short-term rental. Mm. Um, and they, you know, own a business locally and they have a child who's under two years old and they cannot find a place to live. Mm. And so now it looks like they're weighing their options. Do they close their business, relocate their business? Where do they go? And these, this is a family who employs people locally. Mm. So not only are business owners struggling to find talent, um, but if they're new business owners who are just starting out uh, and they're getting evicted from their home, um, we're losing businesses. Right, right, right. And the scary part about that, because I, I believe we moved here from Oregon, Washington, um, about four years ago, and we used to spend a lot of time in, in the central Oregon. That was a very flagstaff looking place to be. And there was the canoeing and the hiking and all of the outdoor activities mm -hmm. that, that a lot of that beautiful part of Arizona offers. And they were finding the same thing. Ben, well, and I'm trying to remember if we were there before the COVID thing happened. I believe we were. And they were finding the same thing. Housing prices were going up so much. They couldn't find people to work in the restaurants. They couldn't find nursing. They couldn't find uh, the just the people to come and work because the housing was just insane. And so you've got these resort areas that now cannot support the mm -hmm. whole industry that they were built upon because they can't afford, people cannot afford to live there. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. 
But and I also am con- I don't understand why the the Airbnb, VBRO, all of these different rental why there aren't I mean I live in an area that's highly controlled with HOA. They I can't even put out a flower organ, you know, arrangement in my the front of my house. If it's not designated to a certain holiday, if it's a, like if it's a Mother's mm-hmm. Day thing, I can put out that 30 days. You have 30 days for your Halloween decorations to be out. And boy, there will be somebody driving around in a golf cart saying Halloween's over. Get rid of that. You know, they have even gone into saying we drove by your house and we can see into your courtyard. We noticed in your courtyard there was a sign that wow. said welcome. Um, if you can see that from the street, you have to remove that. And I'm like, wow, okay, I'm not doing that, but whatever. But that's how, I mean, that's how much it's enforced. And, and I love certain parts of HOAs. I do, I'm not against HOAs because I don't want my neighbor painting their house pink. So there's good things about that, you know, Um, or putting, you know, flamingos all over their front yard. There's a good thing. There's good things about HOAs. But how on earth can you have the regulation saying you can't paint your house purple, but you can rent it out every single month to who knows who, who are going to party their, you know, the daylights out of their, this vacation time they have and completely disrupt the atmosphere and the neighborhood, you know, feel. And we don't know who these people are and we don't know what happens mm-hmm. afterwards. And well, I don't know all the legal things that happen around HOAs and bad behavior right. and damage that's done. Or So talk yeah. about that. I mean, that's that's part of it. Part of it is the cost of living that it's making insane, but also the scary thing about, I don't know who my neighbors are every week, every month, it's different. Yeah. So, well, first neighborhoods can band together. That is actually the one way to regulate short-term rentals in their area Mm. is by forming an HOA. And I do actually know of one neighborhood who did this uh, and did it in time to uh, stop the, the seizures of homes for for business use, right? Oh. Um, but um, I'm not sure how widely available that information is. And when you look at the maps, um, and I'd be happy to send it to you uh, so you could share, when you actually look at the maps of the amount of short-term rentals in neighborhoods, for some neighborhoods, it actually might be too late because um, oh. they now need the, the buy-in, right, from the people who have bought those homes to form that HOA. And if that HOA is going to limit them doing business there, are they going to are they going to make that vote? Are they going to get an HOA in place? So homeowners do have that capability in a neighborhood to form an HOA. I think the problem is first you have a lot of. Um, vacation rental homes that are secondary homes. And what I mean to say is, uh, I shouldn't say vacation rental homes, I should say vacation homes. Sedona historically has always had uh, quite a bit, quite a high percentage of people who owned homes here as a second. Sure, sure. So um, they're not living here full time. Um, So it's, it's harder to form HOAs now at this point, especially given how out of control the short-term rentals have gotten here, but it is an option. So if you live in the Sedona area or really actually anywhere in Arizona um, and short-term rentals are on the rise, uh, look into it. I highly encourage putting together an HOA because if you're forming it together, you can determine what those policies are. Um, So it's a great option to sidestep this legislation. Uh, I believe it's one of the only options from what I understand from the city lawyer that people can take. Wow. So how long were you, 
what wh- how, when did you form the last local standing when did you when did you form that uh just about a month ago so i ran into a local influencer um he's troy casey goes by certified health nut uh and he is a, a nut but in the best way. Uh, he's quite a character, but we met in the gym and we got to talking and he was so passionate about what was happening and was so excited to meet a local who shared his passion. And so we started working together and I didn't have any social media for my own reasons. I'm not on any social accounts personally. And he was, Hey, Tolly, can you respond? Tolly, can you respond? do this research and reading on it because I just didn't I couldn't fathom how our city could allow this to happen right you know I went to Red Rock High School and there were six, over 600 students um and that is you know freshmen sophomore junior seniors right um now my high school because two schools have shut down my high school is now a, is now six through 12 and there's not even wow. 600 students Wow. That's how many people are leaving the area because of a lack of affordable living. And so I, I was just blown away at all of the issues and I couldn't understand. Working together to talk and when I quickly realized what he needed a better way to communicate with people about the issues, his platform is you know about health overall, mm-hmm. and so um, I needed a platform of my own right. that I could specifically speak to these issues because when I the more I read, the more I realized we're not the only state who's facing really. Uh, in my mind, unethical legislation right. where vacation rental organizations like Airbnb and VRBO are lobbying states heavily um, to implement these types of laws that would prevent overregulation, what they mm. call overregulation. But it mm. seems to me regulation at all. Yes. And so and what's interesting to me is and, and why one of our slogans is boycott Airbnb is they're using our money to do that. Right. Oh. We're using our money that we're using for their booking service to lobby our House and state representatives right. to, to make this kind of legislation pass. So I realized, okay, it's not just in Sedona, Cottonwood is feeling it. The whole Birdie Valley is feeling it. Flagstaff just converted an old hotel is in the process of it for emergency housing (gasps) because they can't house everybody. So I was like, oh my gosh, this isn't just me. This is happening all over the U.S. It's happening all over the world. It's getting so bad in Montana. People are are starting to camp in bear country so they can keep their jobs and getting in conflict with bears. So now we're hurting nature even more, uh, arguably, than we already do when we expand in an area. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, this is that's why it's not last local standing in Sedona. It's just last local standing because we need to um, I wanted to rally people, teach them about this legislation involve them in the voting process right now every seat is up for election this year mm. so governor Ducey can be voted out our senators who allow these bills to get passed our house representatives who allowed these bills to get passed that are directly harming our communities these way they can get voted out and so i wanted to not only inform on what's happening hopefully also encourage tourists to come visit more ethically mm-hmm. Because we are, we do, you know, we are a community that that 
lives on tourism. So I'm not trying to shame anybody right. or discourage people from visiting. I want you to come visit Renee. Right. I want you to right. access the hike. I, I, my town is beautiful. I want to share it. I just want to do it in a way that supports local businesses, uh, local homeowners who are maybe using their houses as short-term rentals. Where I think it needs to stop is the out-of-state buyers, yes. the corporate buyers, yes. Diamond Resorts felt the Diamond Resorts is a huge resort here. They felt the impact of short-term rentals so heavily, as in people don't want to stay in their hotel and their condo. Right. They want a full home. So they started buying up homes and that's where I'm like, okay, so this platform is about educating tourists on how do you come to this town and preserve the community, preserve the sacredness in which you're visiting, Uh, have a great experience, you know, have servers who who can serve you food, people in the kitchen who can make your meal, you know, and how do locals get involved, you know, at a city level, at a state level, and how do we rally people, you know, worldwide to say no, right. no to to profit over people, and that it's to such an extent that it's actually damaging communities. Right. There's there's almost no local cafes. You know, I see businesses sprouting up and closing because they can't find anyone oh. to maintain those businesses right. and help them, and so. Gosh, I could just go on and on. The issue is so widespread. So I created Last Local Standing. Um, it immediately gained traction, not with just people locally, but uh, globally. I mm. started receiving so many stories of this is what's happening in my town. This uh. is what's happening in my town. Um, people who are living now um, in tents who are bless them, you know, they're needing a place to live, but who are living out on the land that where the land doesn't have the resources for the sewage um, or trash pickup, right? So it's getting so bad. People are forced out onto the land to live, but there's no infrastructure to actually support them living out there. So places are getting trashed. And um, again, I have so much compassion and empathy for these people because if you've lived here your whole life Mm -hmm. and you're being forced out and you want to stay, you want to keep your job, you want to keep your friends, you want to stay close to your family, Mm -hmm. you've got to find a solution um, that works because maybe you can't even afford to move. So what do we do then? You know, Um, so last local standing was born right now where we're at is uh, looking to hopefully align with other groups. I know Paradise Valley has taken a really firm stand against the attorney general. Uh, I know that there is a group called um, that's taking a firm stand. And so what I'd like to do ideally is get as many people bought into this cause and honestly file a class action lawsuit against the state that says this legislation is unethical and it needs to be repealed or revised because communities, towns should be able to self-regulate to preserve not only the community, but the environment that's attracting all these people in the first place. Right, right. I I love the most important thing that I believe your message is, is, as you mentioned, you're 31 years old and if people could go back, I'm trying to remember, I wish I, I turned my phone off so I wouldn't get disturbed, but there is a quote and I, I, sh- I should look it up about doing work locally. You want to change the world. Mm. You, you keep it local, go to, go serve your community. Say, keep. And I, I don't think there's such this because of social media and how it is a worldwide thing. Now there's a, 
tendency to jump on the bandwagons that are national problems or what people assume are an international problem, let's say climate control, which is a, 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 a world problem. But what look what you're doing in the little town of Sedona for climate control right there. That's all that one person can do. And I and I, I am an older generation and maybe it's just my personality. We tried one time to stay in a, a, a long-term rental. We booked a place in New York. And by the time we got off the plane and it was now it's getting dark. And so we're standing on a street corner in who knows where. I can't even remember what village we were in in New York. And we're waiting for the person to come. And, and she finally arrives and she takes us up to this apartment And it was very obvious, both my husband and I felt very uncomfortable. It was very obvious that she was going against all of the rules, probably for the apartment complex, probably for the city, um, about long-term rentals. I don't think that was even allowed. And so she was telling us, now, if anybody asks, you're our cousin and you're just visiting. And so, and I'm like, "Mm, I don't work that way. That makes me nervous that now... I don't know. I don't even know you. And I, I, what if I mix up my lies? And I don't, you know, it was very uncomfortable. Plus, mm-hmm. then we get into this tiny, tiny little apartment. And it was just not what it was advertised to be. And I just looked at my husband and said, call the Marriott. I am not staying here. And fortunately, we were able to book a hotel room. But um, but my kids have had fabulous experiences. But in my mind, when I go on vacation, I want to be ordered. I want to order room service at eleven thirty. Mm-hmm. I don't want to make my bed. I don't want to have to strip the beds and wash them before I go. I don't want to do dishes. That is not my idea of a vacation. I don't want to clean the house, vacuum, clean the bathrooms, strip the beds, and and do all of this stuff. That is not my idea of a good time. This is why I also don't camp. So you know. So I don't. I get the. I get the cost if you have a large family or you're having mm-hmm. a family reunion and you want a place that sleeps 20, I guess I can understand that. But the work, maybe I'm just a woman looking at the housework that's involved in staying at an Airbnb. <laughs> I'm like, let's just rent three or four rooms next to each other at the Marriott. That just, but you know, but what I, but basically what I'm saying is I don't think that is the answer to everything. And I do think it is creating a lot of problems, but more importantly, look what you're doing in your community. You're not going to Washington, D.C. to try to fight this. And I love what you said about there's elections coming up. There you go, people. That's how you can make a difference right there is knowing. I didn't know. I, I, that's not my, my field of interest right now. And my, right now, I would like to learn how to really play a good game of pickleball. So I was <laughs> not even aware that there were, that this was something that I could be voting on but you have made me aware of that now by what you're doing. And I'm now going to go back. I'm going to look things up and I'm going to find out more about that because it, Thank you. that's what one person can do. Now, you've told two people and I'm going to tell two people and hopefully this podcast is going to tell two people and the word's going to get out. You know, you need to look at more than just what the populace is telling you you should be worried about. It's like, yeah. that, that's a great thing. You know, let's all talk about national health care. But in the meantime, where are you planning on going on vacation? Oh, Red Rock. Sorry, it's gone. You know, why, mm-hmm. why is, why is that Cathedral Rock? Why is that gone? Well, it's been destroyed, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, how was it destroyed? Well, in 2022, if you would have voted differently, you know what I mean? That's where, yeah. oh, wow. What a, I mean, what a difference. So when you yeah, go to these I- board meetings, 
what's happening? I mean, the local people, what's happening there? Well, this is where I might sound critical of anyone in city. Um, and so I, not knowing what it's like to be a civil servant, I want to be mindful of my word choice here. Yeah. I will say how the city meetings are structured. They're over four hours long. They begin with things that are not relevant to the immediate community. They are at times that are incredibly inconvenient for the working class. And by the time you get to issues that are in daily life impacting residents, you have a smallest amount of time. It is saved to the very end. And what we keep hearing from the city is our hands are tied, our hands are tied, our hands are tied. And to some extent, that's true. Um, the legislation has bound that the city's hands in a lot of ways. Mm. I personally find that more of an excuse than a reason. And I say that because I saw or read rather what Paradise Valley did and how they stood up to the attorney general. And because the attorney general, I believe, is running for Senate. He is not pressing charges on Paradise Valley. So what I say to the city is, and what I've said to the vice mayor, the mayor, and those running is, let you be be sued, please. Because if you say no and you enforce your your zoning laws with our law enforcement that we're paying for, um, the chances of this going to the Arizona Supreme Court or legislative court is so much higher. And what we can then do is compare it to our constitutional rights for a place to be able to govern themselves. Mm. And so in my mind, you know, I hear, I sit on these meetings to the extent that my schedule allows, right? Four hours out of my work day where I am, you know, the primary provider in my family, um, I sit in and I'm thinking, you are wasting our time. You're not talking about what matters the most. And when people present solutions, there was a, um, a retired lawyer who started talking about these different loopholes. He was ushered off, <gasps> off and out. And so part of me is wondering Scary. what is going on yeah. in city council right now. And they give an inordinate amount to the chamber of commerce. Mm. Who's rebranded as tourism management. Um, who, you know, we don't need to promote Sedona anymore. No, no, <laughs> words Everybody out. Everybody knows about Sedona. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you don't need to give $4 million oh. and they gave $70,000 to hire a lobbyist, but $4 million to the Chamber of Commerce <gasps> to promote Sedona and tourism and small businesses, um, which I'm all for promoting small businesses. Yeah. I'm all for, to be honest, short-term rentals, in regulation, right? right? In moderation. Exactly. I'm not against it as a whole. Right. So my question to the city is why $70,000 for lobbyists and $4 million for tourism? Four that to me tells our priority. And right now there is local elections happening in August where we'll get to vote in new city council members, a new mayor who will perhaps have the backbone to take a stand against the state right. and allow the legislation and the laws to speak for itself. Because I know in my heart, if Sedona took a stand and they said, no, right. you will not do this to our town. They will not stand alone. Flagstaff, Cottonwood, Parad cities throughout 
Phoenix will take a stand with them and right. be encouraged to also act. Someone has to take a stand. Right. Um, so lack local standing, I'm doing my best to take a stand and encourage people to pressure their local government to do the right thing and be willing to be at risk. And it's, and it is risky right. because the state can go after those individuals. The state doesn't go after the town. It goes after the mayor themselves the city council themselves, they are at risk themselves of getting sued. But you have a town who will rally behind you. And I can't imagine if that got escalated to the Supreme Court, that this legislation would stand. It's just, if you read it, and I encourage you to, it's available on azledge.gov. It is entirely unethical. I don't know how you can't regulate something like this in your own town. Um, It's on public record. Police reports show that nine out of 10 calls are domestic violence disputes at short-term rentals. We preface tourism so much that they've put a parking lot for the shuttle next to an elementary school. Oh my. Okay. You have so many, so many short-term rentals in neighborhoods where kids are walking home from school and you have transient behavior as in people coming in and out of your town and who knows right who knows right I don't I does it scare me to my core absolutely I worry for our children's safety for those who are left it's it's really scary right right well, Talia, I, I cannot thank you enough. I, I, I think you have awakened definitely something in me. And I do know, I, I'm not very knowledgeable, but I have heard that even in Scottsdale, there are neighborhoods that are having issues with this and trying to get things passed and saying, this is a home, this is a housing area, we're not a you know rental. And I don't know all of the details, but you're right. It isn't just Sedona. It is every, probably every neighborhood um, in uh, the United States of America. So I do think that you are making a global change, even though it's one little town. But And it just also shows that you can have all the crystals and you still got to have that one person like you that's going to make a difference. And that's exactly what, just just <laughs> as, as you close, uh, you mentioned something about taking time out of your um, work schedule to to do this last local standing, what, what is your, uh, what is your hobby? What's, what do you do that brings in money besides being an advocate for the city? Um, I do teach uh, compassionate communication workshops. Uh, So how do we have civil dialogue and express our needs? Uh, And I, I have partnered with some friends for the experience. It's called the expression experience. So it's all about getting embodied and expressing yourself in a compassionate way. Uh, And then I also work for a tech company out of San Francisco and I advise on all of their engagement and education strategies. So it's near and dear to my heart. And as far as the things that I do for a living. Um, so there's some symbiotic nature in the work that I do. I would love to go full time mm-hmm. on these efforts. Uh, that's just not in the cards yet. Right. But I love that you are, but what you've expressed, you're living what you're teaching because you, it's not that you're not passionate. It's not that you don't have a lot of emotion behind what you're doing, but you're exhibiting and you're, you're modeling how to have a strong feeling, a strong conviction, but go about it uh, with a, a resolution in mind. And I, I love that. I would love to be to talk to you more about your retreats because 
I think that, that blends, that just flows into so many other areas of life, whether it's political turmoil in a home where you have a mixed uh, political beliefs in the home, or you have mixed religion in the home, or mixed um, just ethics in general or values in general. How do you stay together as a family, or as you said, even in a corporation now, with people coming in with strong political beliefs or strong religious beliefs or strong? Uh, I mean, that is a huge, huge need is how to communicate. Uh, cohesively and kindly and lovingly still feeling. And I love, like I said, I love to see your, your, there's strong emotion. You're not saying, oh no, let's look at, I mean, if you want an Airbnb, let's, let's look at how you, you're not saying we're going to shut you down and kill you. We're, you know, but what you're saying is, but there do need to be regulations and let's talk about how we can all, you know, bring some resolution to this area and, and make it work. Let's make it work. But there has to be, it cannot be a free for all. That's amazing. Well, yeah, there needs to be balance. Exact balance. And that's exactly it. All right. So if people want to get involved or help tell direct us to you, where can we, how can we help you? Right now, uh, find me on Instagram at last local standing. I'm working on a website. I'm working on um, some different things that we can sell, some signage you can post to your businesses to let people know what's happening so people have more patience with the wait times. Uh, so find me at last um, on Instagram at last local standing. DM me, um, get in my inbox. I, I'd love to have more people on my team. And my ask would be, you know, if you are visiting a town, I know Airbnb is so helpful. Maybe you use Airbnb to find some properties, but a book through a local property manager. That would be my ask book through a local property manager. That way you're keeping um, that business local as much as you can and in a local family's pocket. And also you're keeping your money off of a company who's using it for unkind things. Yeah. I love that you said, look, there are, like you said, there are people, there are homeowners that are renting out their property, find the local people. And if you love, if that's your idea of a great vacation, then go through a local person, support that family generally, and not try to avoid the, the big corporations that I had no idea that large corporations were buying up private homes and turning them into that just is another where I just want to go. Oh, no. Because, you know, yeah. yeah, that's the hard part. Well, thank you. Thank you again for taking time out of your day. I I'm, cannot wait to spread the news and to, to share this podcast with everyone and make them more aware. I, I Right before we moved to Arizona, I was listening to a podcast and people were talking about, oh, my husband wanted to take me away. And they took me to this fabulous resort in Sedona. And uh, I was like, oh, Sedona, we need to go there. And then my husband and I drove <laughs> drove through and it was just like, Wow. And I'm from the Pacific Northwest, so I'm used to some amazing, beautiful country, but it is a, it is a emotionally overpowering visual to see those rocks and those, those, it's just outstanding. So I I don't want to see it destroyed. And I do, I do. That's the bad part of social media is all you have to do is post one great thing about Havasu Park and pretty soon Beyonce is making a video there and now it's just ruined. So, you know, that's the bad part, right? Oh, anyway, so have a great day. Thank you for all that you're doing. And let's, let's get some other people aware and moving. 
Thank you for being the first. Thanks for finding me, Renee. Um, thanks for giving me a platform to share this message and being so receptive. I really appreciate it. And to all those listening, come visit. You know, yeah. we love to have you. We just want to keep it sustainable yeah. so we can preserve it for generations to come. So uh, I'm excited to get anyone involved. And thank you so much. I really, You're really so appreciate welcome. your time. And I love that way that you invited people. Please come, but just do it ethically and help us sustain this beauty. I love that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank, thank you. you. Have a great day. Thank Bye-bye. you. Take care, Renee. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye-bye. Oh my gosh, you guys, is that not inspiring? 31 years old. Um, I love that she has her education. She put her time into training for conflict resolution and she's using that skill. She's using her talent to serve her local communities. So if that's not somebody becoming visible, I don't know what is. So thank you so much for joining me. Join me next week where we will be talking to another wonderful, beautiful woman who has figured out a way to use her talents and her gifts to become visible. Thanks. Bye-bye.